you know, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and he's been, Paul's been sharing with us what it means to be a Christian and to think about all the things that have come to us because of Christ and how he's worked in our lives and the things that are there. And as we pick up today in chapter 1 and verse 18, we find ourselves being told right off the bat, remember, remember. Now, I know for some of us, remembering is a task. It's hard for us to keep in mind even what happened yesterday, much less anything else. But what God is wanting us to do through Paul, what he's trying to remind us about, is that we need to always keep in mind what we were before Christ found us. What we were before we walked into the grace of God, into the magnificent love of God, and experienced all that he had for us. We need to keep in our minds so that we never forget what it was that God saved us from, so that we might walk in the fullness of God's glory and the wonder of what it is to be a part of what's going on. And so in verses 18 through 21 of chapter 1, Paul is reminding us, first of all, in the first few verses, of what we were, what it was like to be without Christ, what it is like for every single person that you and I know this very moment that does not have Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. This is the description of their life as it was a description of ours before we came to know Christ. And then in the latter part of the verses that we'll read this morning, he's going to remind us and help us just rejoice again in what we have received in Christ and what it means for us, what you and I can be celebrating this very moment in all the moments of our life because of a relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and how meaningful that is and what it is, how it's supposed to affect our lives and all that we are. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me, I said chapter 1, but chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. And as we look at those verses together, listen carefully. The first part, description of what we were before we came to know Christ. What everybody in this world without Christ is this very moment. And the latter part, what we have because we are in Christ. The wonder that we celebrate every single day in our lives as God's people. And we look and as we see that opportunity. Beginning in verse 11. The scripture says, therefore remember that formerly you Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. That's the first thing. Keep in mind, separated from Christ, excluded from him in the commonwealth in, in Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise having no hope and without God in this world. But now, but now, in Christ, Jesus, you who were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by the abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is in the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came, and he preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about those words and the promises that they contain, I, I do pray that you would remind us it's so easy to take for granted the grace that is ours. Father, as we talked about together last week, grace is so beyond description and so just beyond the power of us to ever grasp its fullness. But God, what a great gift it is. And yet we take it for granted every day of our lives. And we do that partly because we forget what it was like to, before we became Christians. 
We forget what it was like to be without peace, to be without hope, to be without life, to be with no direction, to be totally alienated from God and from faith and hope and love and all those great things that we know every single day of our life now. Father, I pray that you would just remind us of what we were and what that meant because that helps us to realize what a great salvation that we have right now. It helps us to remember what wondrous rejoicing that we ought to experience every moment of our lives because that you took that which was and you paid the debt for that, you paid the price for that, and you made it possible for us to put that away from our lives, no longer to dwell in alienation, no longer to be separated, no longer to be without hope, no longer to be without Christ, but now to be fully in Christ, fully rejoicing, fully in peace, fully brought back in reconciliation before God in, in all things, Father. You made us one in Christ Jesus. What a joy. What a wondrous thing we have this morning. And I pray that we'll realize that in the fullness of these moments and that we'll just take it to heart as we look and understand what God is doing and what he's saying in our lives. And so speak to us through your word and allow it to touch our hearts, Father. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage and as we think about it, as we start off, the, the key word that kind of stands out in those first few verses for us is the idea of alienation, that we're separated from God. And because of that alienation, we're separated really from one another and from all the things that go on in the world in which we live. It doesn't take long for us to be able to use a perfect example. We don't need to come up and look for illustrations or anything else. All we have to do is look at our nation. And we can see the perfect alienation that's going on around us in all things. Everyone hates everyone. And all the things that go on, this group hates this group, and that group hates that group, and this group hates that group, and they all hate each other, and all the things that are going on. We can't get along in any things that are going on and being a part of it. We find ourselves at odds with one another. Every ethnic group is against every other ethnic group. Sex, male and female are against one another and the things that go on, parents and teachers, uh, uh, teachers and children, youth and parents, and all the people that are separated. We just are alienated from one another. We don't get along with each other. That's the world we live in, and everyone wants everyone else to be as miserable as they are, and so those who are alienated from God just find themselves trying to take their misery out on everyone else and making it worse for everyone around them as we look at it. And we see to be separated from God, you see, is to, is to find oneself without any direction, without any hope, without any possibility of knowing where they're going or how they're going or what they're going to do. The inability to get along is built into this thing that Satan has devised called that we find in ourselves this idea of alienation that keeps us separated. Religion never does anything for us. All religion has done, it hasn't brought us toward God. What religion has done is taken us and made us aware of the fact that we knew at one time who God really was. We had the truth about God. The book of Romans in chapter 1 reminds us that we all know exactly who God is, that no one has an excuse for not believing in the truth and reality of who God is. But man, rather than believing the truth that is there, began to build himself his own idols, his own ideas, his own things to worship, and separated himself even further from the God who loved him so very much and told himself that he could create his own God and the things that were happening. And so what we find is that alienation, separation. That's what he said as we look at it. Look what it is to be without, without God in our lives. He says for us, first of all, we're without Christ. We're without citizenship in the kingdom of God. We're without a covenant relationship with God. We're without hope. We're without God himself. Those are the things that we were without Jesus in our lives. Before we came to know Christians, we were without. And that was the best word that could be described in our lives, without this, without that. But because, and, and that great word that he says there, as we look at it, we saw it before and now we see it again, but now. 
Oh, what a joy. All those things is what we were before we came to know Christ. We were without all things in Christ. We, we had no hope. We had no direction. We had no relationship with God. Nothing that we did could bring us in a right relationship with God. Oh, we may have tried church. We may have been baptized five, six times. We may have memorized scripture. We may have joined this church, that church, and every other church. We may have tried every religion, every cult, everything that is there, and we found ourselves without God. Without God. Without a relationship, without hope, without any joy, without any peace. And, but now... But now, because Christ Jesus has come and put himself upon the cross, because he became sin for you and for me and took all the punishment of God, took all the wrath of God, took all the just dealings with God that the law might be satisfied so that you and I might be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that's what he's talking about is by the Lamb. It's not anything that you and I have done. It's not anything that you and I can ever do, but it is by the work of Christ. That's what he's saying in these verses as he looks at by the lamb, by the Christ, by the sacrificial blood that brought us into a relationship with him and allowed us to know him and to experience him and to find in him that which we so desperately needed in our lives. See, one of the greatest needs today is peace. Peace. Peace within ourselves, peace with one another, and most importantly, peace with God. That's what we need, and that's what we long for. If you were to take time to study throughout the history of mankind, you would find, even Jesus said it in his own words, you'll remember, that you will hear of war and rumors of war, and these will keep on coming and being apart. We can go back to the history, back way thousands and thousands of years into history, and we can find that mankind has always been at war with each other and all the things that are going there. It is said that the average length of any peace treaty or covenant that's been made between mankind and between one nation and another nation or whatever it may be, at the very most, has lasted two years over, this, over these centuries. As the time goes, they don't last. There's only one covenant that lasts. That's the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ made with us through his blood. The one that he settled once and for all that we would be right with God because of what Christ did for us. And he signed it in blood so that it could never be changed. It could never be erased. It could never be removed from us. But that we have the joy and the wonder and the privilege of knowing now we are at peace with God. Boy, nothing could be more important in all the world than to be at peace with God. And we have peace with God because of what God did for us in Christ Jesus as we have the opportunity to know that as he gave his blood and shed his blood, he signed a covenant forever that made for sure that anyone who would step into that covenant with God, anyone who would give themselves to God through Jesus Christ would become a part of the covenant family of God. Once we were not a people, he said. Once we didn't have a citizenship we had, we were without all those things. But now, but now, we are the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, one body, all of us together now because of what Christ did for us. We are one. We're a family. Now, I have some people in my family that I'm not particularly proud of. I'm sure they feel the same way about me. But all that changes right here in the household of God because we're one. We have been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have stepped into peace eternally that cannot be taken from us. The Bible says, as it tries to deal with it, it says this peace that you and I have is beyond comprehension. It's beyond understanding. We can't even begin to grasp the, the, the ability. Look around you for a moment. Look at all the strange people in this room. Every one of us different. 
Every one of us have different ideas. Every one of us approach life from a different kind of way. Every one of us have been affected in different ways by the experiences of our lives. And yet in Christ, we are one. We have a peace in our heart that know that we are right with God because what Christ did. And because we can be right with God, we can then be right with ourselves. One of the things that many of us battle with is being able to be at peace with ourselves. I can believe God can forgive me. He's God. But sometimes I have a real hard time believing that I can forgive me. That I can get past the things that I've done. That I can get over the things that I know I shouldn't have done that I did or the things I should have done that I didn't. And it can rob me of the peace that, that I need. But what Christ did when he came and died upon the cross, when he shed his blood, he not only made it possible for me to be reconciled with God, but he made it possible for me to live in reconciliation with myself. I can be at peace with myself because I can believe that God truly did forgive me and remove the sin from my life as far as the east is from the west. He buried it in the sea of forgetfulness. It will never be brought up again. And when Satan stands before God in accusation of me and says he's not worthy of your grace, he's not worthy of all that you've offered him, he is a sinner disgraced in every single way, and God doesn't deny that. He doesn't question that. I can't deny that because it's, every word of it is true. But all that he simply says is, my son... Paid that price for him. And he and I are at peace with one another. And you can't bring guilt to him because it has been removed from him. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, no one can bring accusation against us because he who is our Savior is also our justifier. The one who stands before us and takes all accusations upon himself, we can be at peace. Not because we're worthy, but because of who he is and what he did for us. But because I can be at peace with God, Paul says, and because I can be at peace within myself and know that I have been forgiven and know that I have been accepted and know that I have been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can be at peace with you. Even when I don't agree with you. Even when you and I may not see eye to eye in everything there is, there is that which is so settled upon our hearts and our minds that allows us to be able to walk in peace with one another and to know that nothing in this world can take that peace away from us. Every evil situation that can come. Many of you have experienced some of the hardships, hardships that you can even begin to imagine. You've suffered loss physically and family. You've suffered all kinds of hardships financially, illnesses. We've suffered devastation in all kinds of ways in our life. And yet we've walked with our heads up and our hearts at peace because we have a peace that cannot be removed from us. It's not based upon circumstances. It's not based upon situations. It's not based upon people. It's based upon the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And in Him we have peace. And so we have peace no matter what's going on around us. We can go through those moments that everyone shakes their head in bewilderment. And says, How can you do that? And we can say with confidence. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. Because His peace is that peace that dwells within me. Not the peace the world gives. What Jesus said, I don't leave you peace like the world leaves you. The peace the world lives is here today and gone tomorrow. The peace the world gives you can be affected by every situation and every moment and everything. People can rob you of your peace. But the peace I leave you is permanent. The peace I leave you cannot be taken from you. Cannot be denied to you. It is my peace I give you. He didn't say, I give you the peace of a ratification of some treaty that's been signed. He didn't say, I give you the peace that you've worked out between you and someone else and decided you weren't going to just keep on fighting together. It wasn't worth it anymore, and so you're putting up with each other. No, I give you my peace. 
the peace of God, the peace that dwells from eternity to eternity, the peace that cannot be shaken by anything in this world or of this world. It is God's peace. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what he wants us to understand, that once we were without peace, once we were separated, once we were in alienation, but now we are brought together. And because we have that peace with one another, we can be one with each other. We can be that one body that God's called us to be, and we are. All of us, one body together in Christ Jesus because of the peace that he's brought and the unity that he's brought by that peace and all the things that are going on and being a part. Reconciliation. God made us right with him through Christ and we can be right with God and right with ourselves and right with one another because of who God is and what he did for us in Christ Jesus. As we look, we can be at peace with him, be reconciled to him. We can come before him and know that we're acceptable. Really, Wanted more than anything else to see the King of England. This was a little while ago, you can imagine, since the Queen is now in charge. But he wanted to see the King. I mean, that's all he wanted to do. And every day he went to the palace and he stood outside the gates. And he longingly looked through the gates. And every day the royal guards and the policemen that stuck the area told Willie to get out of here, leave. You're not welcome here. But he'd be back. He wanted to see the King. One day, as the policeman that was coming by was trying to get rid of him and chase him off, a man dressed in fine, fine clothes came up to the gate, and the policeman immediately stood at attention. And he said, open the gate. And he opened the gate, and he reached down, and he took Willie by the hand and said, I understand you would like to see the king. He said, oh, yes, sir. I'd really like to see the king. He said, come with me. And so he took Willie by the hand, and they began walking that long pathway to the palace. As, as he did, he was explaining to him all the different things that were there, and then they got to that massive building and structure, and they went in, and the, this man was telling about all the hundreds of rooms that were in this place, rooms of all kinds, of all shapes, of all sizes, for all purposes, rooms so big that you, somebody could live there and never see somebody else that lived. I mean, there were rooms everywhere of all kinds of stuff. He told him all about those. There were servants everywhere. Everywhere he looked, here's a servant. There was one guy that all he did was keep the clock running. That was his whole job. He just took care of the clock. That's the job I want, but I hadn't got it yet. It's, it's, it, it's all he did was take care of the clock. I mean, there were people around doing, I mean, they had all, everybody did something. There was something for everybody. They just, and he just kept going. They went up some massive stairs, and he was again pointing out the rooms and stuff, and then they came to this one particular room, and he opened the door, and he stepped in and said, Dad, there's a little boy here that would like to meet you. This is Willie. And the king came over and took Willie by the hand, and they began to converse together. See, that was the king's son that had took Willie. That's what happened to us. Folks, that's a beautiful portrait of what God has done for us. We wanted to see God, but we couldn't. We're not worthy. None of us have a right to be in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. None of us have a right to stand in the presence of the creator of the universe. We can long for it. We can wish for it. We can do all the things that we do for it. We can try to do good works. We can go to church. We can do all the things that we do, but we can't see the king. Until that day that Christ came. Put himself on a cross and died. 
rose from the dead and extended his grace to you and to me and took us by the hand and said, here, let me introduce you to my, king, to my father. Today, you and I can stand in the presence of the king every single day by the grace of God. Come boldly, the scripture says. Come boldly into the presence of God. That's our promise because of what Christ did. Before, we couldn't, but now we can. Before, we had no access, but now we have total access. You and I, all of us together who know the Lord Jesus Christ, brought into the presence of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And one day, oh, one day, you and I are going to stand not just spiritually in his presence, not just with the awareness that he dwells within us and the promises there, but one day you and I are going to stand face to face with Christ our Savior. Face to face with our Lord. We're going to see him in all of his glory and all that he is, and he's going to be there forever and ever and ever, never to be separated again by any means, by anything at all, because we have peace with God. That's what Paul wants them to understand in that little Ephesus, church at Ephesus. That's what he wants us to understand in his church in Kwana. That we have peace with God if we have trusted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. If we've taken him by the hand and allowed him to guide us into the presence. No one comes to the Father, the scripture says in John 14, verse 6. No one comes to the Father except by me. You can take the hand of a lot of religious leaders. You can take the hands of a lot of people. But you're never going to be admitted to the king until you take the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. For only by him can we come to the Father. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, there's just so much in your word that I wish we could know and understand, that I wish could just get a hold of our hearts and our lives and just help us to just rejoice in the wonder of what it means to be your people. Paul has allowed himself to be used by the Holy Spirit and all through chapter 1 he's reminded us of all the things that we have because we're in Christ and, and in chapter 2 he's moved us through grace and, and how we've been saved by grace and, and the wonder of grace and all that it is and now he reminds us Father of what once we were but that's not the emphasis except that we need to remember that so that we keep a hold and rejoice in the grace that we have but the emphasis is on what we are. Father we're the children of God. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're at one with you and at one with ourselves and at one with one another by the peace of God. Thank you that you've made that possible. Father, I know and understand that there are lots of people that don't have that peace in their own heart. They've never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have their own philosophy, their own way of life. They believe in their own way of religion or whatever it may be but they've never been at peace with you. And because they can't be at peace with you, they're not at peace with themselves. And because they're not at peace with themselves, they're not at peace with anyone else. And Father, our nation is a perfect illustration of how the lack of peace of God can devastate a people and a nation. Everything we see and everything we turn spells out in capital letters with the loudest voice possible, alienation, no peace. Christ can make a difference. He has in our lives if we know you. And he can in any life that's willing to turn to you and take Jesus by the hand. 
say, take me to the Father. No one can come except through you, Christ, we know that. And I pray this morning if there's anyone here or anyone viewing by Facebook or whatever it may be that has never truly taken hold of the hand of Christ in salvation and trusted him as Lord and Savior, that this would be the very moment they would do that. They wouldn't hesitate. And Father, if there's folks here that need to respond in, in some other way to your invitation of grace, then, Father, just help them to have the boldness to do that and not keep putting it off. Help us to trust you. And Father, I thank you for the peace that is mine, and, and I believe the peace that belongs to the people of this church that know you as Lord and Savior, the peace that we have even as a fellowship. But God, we need to share that peace with as many people as we can, so give us an urgency in our heart to take the peace of God that we possess and present it to others as a possibility for them as well. This is your invitation, your time. And I just pray that you'll move in the hearts of those that are here and allow us to do what you would have us to do. I pray in Christ's name.